This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. The Blue Cliff Record, Case 82, The Physical Body. A monk asks Dairyu, The physical body decomposes. What is the immutable reality body? Dairyu said, The mountain flowers bloom like brocade. The valley streams brim blue as indigo. Now the monk is asking the kind of question in one way or another leads us all to practice. He says the physical body decomposes. And he's asking, what's the alternative? And the physical body decomposing is literally enough a problem, but it stands in also for all the suffering of impermanence, of change. It's not just that things change, but that we can't control that change. We can't hold on to what we find good, and we can't keep out what we find bad. So the decomposition of the physical body is a sort of a literal version of the problem that begins the Four Noble Truths, that life is suffering. And the decomposition sort of encapsulates the problem of attachment and desire. We want to hold on or control and somehow escape the reality of of this impermanence. The monk asks, what is the immutable reality body? Now, that may sound entirely fanciful as an alternative. To some extent it is. Uh, but traditional Mahayana texts say that the Buddha has three bodies. First is the uh, Nirmanakaya body, which is the body that decomposes. It's the body that 
undergoes changes and dies, the body we all are familiar with. But there's also the Dharmakaya, the body, this immutable reality body, or the body of emptiness, the body of the absolute. And in some sense, but what sense is this body different from the first? Now, Dario's answer is very interesting in that when asked about what is immutable, he says, mountain flowers bloom like brocade, the valley streams brim blue as indigo. He gives, as an example, flowers blooming in their season and the color of flowing water. Uh, His examples of immutability are really paradigms of change, of seasons and flowing water. And you could say, one way to look at this answer is he's saying, the very thing you complain about, the, the change that brings about the decomposition of the body, is the very same thing that brings about the blooming of flowers in the spring and the flowing of water. The, the change has both of these aspects. They are two faces of the same thing, and one does not exist without the other. All that you love and hold dear in this world is the same thing that causes this world to go away. But he also answers a question about one person's physical body with reference to the whole world, a vision of a whole landscape. And another way of looking at that answer is to see that as you change, you change along with and part of the whole world, which you both leave and never leave, which goes on forever in one way or another, even though it never holds still, it never disappears either. Now, if he, this monk had asked a different kind of teacher this same question, you might have gotten a very different kind of answer. Um, If you ask, all I know is the suffering of this relative body, this body of impermanence and change, what's the alternative? What's the absolute? If you ask that of a teacher like Rinzai, he might just shout or hit you upside the head, right? 
and he would demonstrate the absolute to you, uh, which is just this moment. Whack! The Dairyu gives a very different kind of answer. He gives an answer that's all about particulars, not some absolute thing that is featureless. Which, in a way, is more of what the monk was asking for. You know, he's he's trying to say, I want there to be some experience that is behind or transcends my ordinary daily experience. And if you get a teacher who uh, gives you a big shout or does something really Zen-like, uh, you can have the sense that a door is being opened up into another whole other realm. Or if you have some kind of experience on the cushion, you may feel that another world is opened up, that you're no longer in your daily life of suffering, but somehow you've entered another realm, that a curtain has been drawn aside and you see reality now. It's a common feeling and a common way of talking uh, sometimes about spiritual experience. Uh, In a lot of different traditions, you sort of get the image that um, all we see is appearances, like a curtain. But behind the curtain, behind these ephemeral appearances, is the deeper spiritual reality. In a way, that's what he's asking about here. What's that immutable reality behind the scenes, behind the curtain? And a lot of traditions, both East and West, have some version of thinking that there is something behind the curtain that you can uh, see beyond this world of appearance into something eternal, something transcendent. But Zen really says when you pull aside the curtain, there's nothing at all behind it. That when you see through appearances, there's nothing behind appearances. And if there's nothing behind appearances, they're not really appearances. They're as real as anything. There's not a, a deeper level of reality behind what we've taken to be a superficial appearance. And Darius' answer speaks right to that, that he says that this world of change in appearance is the only world there is. He doesn't go along with this uh, monk's desire to have the absolute presented to him in some kind of dramatic form that will make him think that yes, there's something else and I can get it. There's just this world of seasons and flowing water and decomposing bodies, which is all one world. 
Now the third body of the Buddha that I alluded to is the Sambhogakaya body, uh, the bliss body. But it means the body that unites the Dharmakaya and the Nirmanakaya, the reality body of emptiness and the body of suffering and impermanence. It's the realization of the identity of these two. And it's very easy in the course of our practice to get stuck like this monk pursuing some version of an alternative reality rather than seeing all we're going to do is have a different relationship or a different stance to the one reality that there is. Some of you may know um, sort of a funny, um, famous optical illusion drawing uh, called the uh, Duck Rabbit. And it's uh, a little figure that uh, looks like a head and then two big protuberances coming off. And if you look at it one way, it looks like a rabbit with two big ears. And if you look at it another way, it's a duck with a big uh, op- uh, open beak. As is the case with uh, drawings like this, you can look at it for a very long time and only see the rabbit. And you know, you've heard that there's a duck there, but you just cannot see it, right? Then suddenly, all of a sudden, you know, you see it. There's both both figures are right there. And it looks like the, the drawing has changed. But of course, nothing has changed. You're just seeing it in a different aspect. Now, if you're, say, Elmer Fudd, and you hate rabbits, <laughs> you love ducks, it's a very funny experience to see that the rabbits that you hate and the ducks that you love are actually a single duck-rabbit creature. (laughs) There's been one thing all along, and you've resolutely tried to assume that you can split them apart, and that there's a bad rabbit and a good duck. But it's just one, one creature seen from two different sides. And that's pretty much what this koan is saying about uh, the world of uh, change and decomposing bodies. Now you can say that Dariu is uh, fudging a little here and aestheticizing the world of change, you know, and making it this beautiful thing of flowers and streams and, you know, oh, change is just the world of cherry blossoms, Right? Well, it's also the world of sickness and death and decomposing bodies. Can we have the same attitude all across the board? Well, of course not. You know, we're going to react to those different aspects differently. 
But our reaction will change if we don't think that there's a uh, escape clause, if we don't treat our practice as sort of the big get-out-of-jail-free card at the end of the game, right? Um, It's really about bringing these two sides together. And we do that only when we're very honest about our desire to have an alternative, to have an escape clause, the way this monk is uh, is grasping after one. Right? We have to see the way in which we try to enlist practice in the service of trying to get away from our life rather than getting into our life. And we can come up with very highfalutin language like this monk does in terms of the immutable reality body to talk about what we think the alternative is. And we, we may try to just, you know, be more down to earth and say, oh, I want a little peace and quiet, you know. <laughs> but the world that gives us peace and quiet also gives us all the noise of uh, the city. And it's one world. our practice we have to bring these sides together Um, and that only happens when we're really honest about how much we've tried to split them apart Uh, we, we can't heal that until we're very honest about the split how we've tried to pull life into two pieces and keep one and throw away the other. Uh, When you see that, then you can really see that uh, it's like two hands in one body uh, and they will always uh, come together.